let's pray for Jordan. Let's pray for Jordan Piano. He's going to come up and speak uh, this evening. So, Father God, we just thank you that uh, as Jordan comes to share this evening, we really pray that um, we just open our hearts, our minds and our spirits. With a warm evening, we, we, we pray that we be kept alive and afresh. Kept alive and afresh, as it were. So... So that we, we open up our hearts and spirits right now. We just pray that Jordan will have a tremendous sense of liberty and freedom as he shares what you've given him on your heart. We know that, that not just mere words, but words of power, words of spirit and truth, words of life. And so may Jordan have an amazing freedom as he shares what you've given him and that our hearts will be open to receive what is right for us. In your name and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. What I, what I enjoyed this morning about when Adrian was speaking, he was talking about legacy donations, which is basically when you die, he didn't quite say it in these words, when you die, you leave a bit of money and it goes to the building project. And I enjoyed watching him struggle to look at people over a certain age as he, as he said it. He, he looked at the floor the whole time. Um, I must apologize. I've got, I've got my laptop. Um, I normally use my iPad for notes, but... Um, Leanne left it at work, so I do apologise. Plus, I've got a Harry Kane shirt on eBay that ending, ending in a little bit, so be all right with that. So, um, for anyone taking notes this evening and, and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to be speaking on um, the idea of God taking one step further and then our expectations. Um, you know, God doesn't do things by half disease, as Adrian said. He won't leave us high and dry, so he always goes that extra step, which is something that I, I often get in trouble for. Leanne always going, oh, you always go that step too far, don't you? But uh, with God, it's all, it's all good. So I'm reading out of Colossians 1.22, which has quickly become my, my favorite verse, really. It says this, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, we are brought into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. Um, and this was my starting point. I was reading this a few months ago. And uh, it just really, you know, stood out to me. And um, this was my starting point. And I started to think backwards. I thought, how do we get to this point where we can stand, you know, blameless in the presence of God? So I want to look at four areas. I know Adrian's very much a three-pointer. Four areas, and what's more, yeah, one step further. And they don't they don't start with the same letter either. So I'm breaking all the rules. Um, so you've you've heard of. GDPR, that's been going around recently. I've got FFRR, or for short. So I've got FFRR. And so I want to, this is a true story. Leanne will deny it, but this is word for word. This is a true story. She did this recently. She came home. She said, oh, I've lost my keys. I've lost my keys. I said, where did you leave them? She went, on the sofa or on the, on the, on the table. I said, well, they'll be there then. She went, I need your help. I'm running late. She's stressed out, bless her. So I got off and I went downstairs. No word of a lie. She'll deny this. No word of a lie. I went to the sofa and I lifted up a cushion and there were her keys. I said, I thought, I thought you'd looked. I thought you said, so she must have just walked into the living room and gone, nope. And then just like come upstairs stressed out. But I said to her, you've got to, you've got to look around. You've got to have a proper look. My dad, when you lose something, he's the worst because he goes, retrace your steps. He says, what were you doing last Thursday? And I'm like, I don't, 
Dad, I don't know, I've just, I've just lost my wallet. He's like, what were you doing in 98? Like, <laughs> he, he makes you retrace the steps until you've, until you've found your wallet, which it, it does work all the time. <laughs> I hate to say it, but he's always right. Um, so the first, the first F, the first point is to is find. And we're going to be pretty much going over what we've already sung about and spoken about today, but it's all good. It's the cross. It's all about grace, which, you know, I love that. Anyone else? Yeah. So we know that we're sinners. We know that we're sinful by nature. And we know that God wanted us to, to bring, a, bring us back to himself. Um, very popular and well-known Bible verse. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And when God seeks us, when he wants to find us, he doesn't give it a half-hearted Leanne Piano scan of the room. They're not there. He seeks. He looks. I, I was playing hide-and-seek with some of the kids in the garden the other the other week, and they were like all over the place, sprinting. Wherever it was that they thought you were, they would move everything. Like Livy Hicklin was getting the bins out, she was moving all sorts of things just to find somebody. That is the kind of seeking that God does for us. He seeks high and low. There's the, the parable of the lost coin where the woman sweeps the house. It says that she turns on a light and she goes through everything because she's found, she wants to find her lost coin. And although that parable is demonstrating the, like the celebration in heaven when God finds one sinner, I believe it gives us an indication of how God looks for us and how he searches high and low. It says that uh, in that verse that we're, we've been reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. God put himself into human form through Jesus to come and seek you, to come and seek me. A bit of a pleb that I am. He did all of that for me. And I think, that's, I think that's incredible. He went to that effort for you. Each and every single one of you. So my second point, so the first one is find. The second one is, is forgive. Um, the second F is to forgive. And once he's found us, once he's got our attention, and we ask him into our lives and we say, God, I need some forgiveness. He forgives us. Bless you, Brian. He forgives us. Um, I, the other day, it was Father's Day, I think. Yeah, it was Father's Day. We, um, we went for a, a lovely evening. So I had my mum and dad round for dinner, which we burnt. Um, but then my dad, bless him, he said, oh, it's all right. I like burnt parsnips, which he does. So um, we, had a, we had a nice dinner. Then we went out for, for a, a coffee. You could say a pleasant afternoon was being had all around. And um, on the way home, do you know where the, the new tote and tram stop is? There, there's like two lanes that go into one. There was these two cars just having it out. They just, one, one wasn't letting the other one in. The other one couldn't go anywhere because it had crashed. And they were beeping. And I'm sure a few choice words were said within their cars. And they really wanted to make the point that they were upset with each other. And then they got down to the, the traffic lights near the big Tesco. Big Tesco. And um, one guy got out of the car. He was shouting. A woman got out. And they were calling each other all sorts of profanities. And... Um, they really wanted to know, let them know, you've upset me. I'm annoyed at you. And I was thinking about Christ on the cross. In the biggest offense of all, he was having his body ripped apart. He was being torn, battered, whipped, being brutally and slowly killed. And whilst this was happening, he said, Father, forgive them. And I think that's incredible. Like, these two cars didn't come together. But they were so annoyed. 
And they so wanted to know that there was the offense. But in, in the midst of Jesus' biggest and deepest offense that anyone could go through, he said, forgive them. And I think that's incredible. I think that's really like, can't quite, can't quite grasp that. Our instinct as, as people, as, as regular men and women, is to retaliate, seek out revenge, try and avenge people to, to reason. But Jesus' response in the harshest of offenses was to have you on his mind and say, forgive them. I think that's incredible, isn't it? Amen? Yeah, thank God for his, his amazing grace that we've been singing about this morning, that we've, we've looked at this evening. Um, yeah, thank God for his grace. I just, I just think it's... We, we talk about the peace that passes understanding, don't we? But there's grace that we just can't comprehend. There's, there's stuff that we just can't get our head around. And yeah, thank God for his grace. Amen. So third one. Um, I'm getting through these quite quickly, but Janet told me that she's paying by the minute now, so to keep it short. So <clears throat> we've got find, forgive. We move on to the first R, which is reconcile. So back to Colossians 1.22. It says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. And reconcile is a it's kind of old-fashioned word, isn't it? Like when we were reading this, I thought, what does this actually mean? Because we only ever hear it really at Christmas when we sing Hark the Herald, God and Sinner Reconciled, which uh, I'll give you a little, let you into a little secret here. When we're leading worship as different worship leaders and we do the song at the end, we normally pick that song as the person is speaking. So we'll listen out for lines of different songs. So Adrian will stand and go, he's a good, good father. And I'm thinking, right, get that I'm texting around. Right, guys, get, get down. Andy will say, Christ is enough for me. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, know, I know which one we're doing. So God and sinners reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing, Michael Swinburne. Um, I'll rebuke, rebuke that in Jesus' name. Um, so it's only, it's only a word that we really hear in that setting, isn't it, in that song. Um, so I jumped on Google, as you do, and I searched out what reconcile actually means. And it is to restore friendly relations between two parties. Um, so there's forgiveness, but reconciliation doesn't always follow, does it? If, and what I mean by that is, I'll give you a little example. Um, we were playing football a few weeks ago on a, on a Monday night. We started playing football with a few guys from church and a couple of other guys linked to church, maybe don't come anymore, and trying to use it as a bit of an outreach. Um, and one of the, the lads was running, and, and he had his arm pulled back, and he tried to free his arm, and he elbowed the guy in the mouth. And he said a few choice words once again. And um, the guy that caught him with the elbow, he didn't, he didn't mean it, bless him, but he went over to him and said, Sorry, shook hands. He said, it's fine. So there was forgiveness, but they went their separate ways. There wasn't reconciliation. They weren't on the same team to begin with. There wasn't conciliation. Is that a word? Yeah? Constipation. <laughs> they might have been after that elbow hit him. But, um, there was forgiveness, but there wasn't reconciliation. They weren't, friendly relations hadn't been restored. They, he didn't say, right, I forgive you. Get a bib on. You're on my team now. They went, they went their separate ways, and at the end of the game, they, they went their separate ways. And I was thinking about this verse where it says, he has reconciled you to himself. And this is, again, like God taking that extra step. He finds us. He takes that extra step to forgive us. And once again, he takes that step to forgive us. 
And not only does he forgive us, but he brings us to himself. He reconciles us with himself. He looks at us as being right with him, which I think is incredible. We're considered friends of God. Not only his friends, but his family, his adopted family. We're children of God. When I go round to my mum's house, well, her old house, I don't know where everything is in her new house just yet. She's just moved. I, uh, I'll go and help myself to the Jaffa cake cupboard. So I'll just walk in, swing it open. Normally when she's on a diet because they're low calorie. So I love it. When mum's on a diet, I think she's going to get the Jaffa cakes in, which is great for me. So I'll go round. And the other day, Leanne said to me, I'll oh, go get me a biscuit. I said, you go get a biscuit. You know where they are? She went, oh, it's not my mum's house. And there's that family element, isn't there? When I go to Adrian and Helen's, I'm probably a little bit different. <laughs> I'll just swing them open, see what gourmet chicken Helen's got. She, she loves a brand, does Helen. She's always got nice things in. Um, but when we have that kind of, when we realize that we're adopted into the family of God, everything that he has, he makes available to us. We can walk into his kitchen and go to the Jaffa Cake Cupboard of Heaven and just help ourselves. Help ourselves to the low-calorie goodness that is. And um, obviously, I'm, I'm joking about the Jaffa Cakes. love to think there were Jaffa Cakes in heaven. But whatever it is that we need, we can walk up to God and say, I, I, can I have this? I need it. And he, you know, it says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and, ask and you will receive. Um, so it's all there because God has reconciled himself to us. He hasn't just forgiven us and said, right, you're forgiven, go on your way. He forgives us and brings us in. To his, into his circle, into his, into his throne room. As Dave Aylin said, we can sit at the table of, of God and you know, feast on what he has for us. So we've got find, forgive, reconcile. Moving on to the, to the fourth R of the is restore. And this is quite a long, uh, a long verse, quite a long passage, so bear with me. But it's the story of Jesus and the demon-possessed man when Jesus... Goes over to crosses the lake and a man comes screaming at him. So we're in Mark 5, verse 9 for this. And it says this. I'm not the best of readers, so bear with me. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of God, uh, son, of, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Verse 8. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And this is the bit that really got me. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out to the area, out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man 
and about the pigs. And they, the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So it's quite a, again, it's a well-known verse, one that I've heard many times. But um, when I read that, or I actually listened to it, it really just stood out to me what we know about this man. So what, what do we know about this man? We know that he was demon-possessed, but he wasn't possessed just by a demon. He was possessed by many. So many that they called, called themselves a legion. So once again, I jumped onto Google to find out what a legion is. And in the Roman army back in the day, Janet will confirm this if, it, if it's true, um, a legion in an army was about 1,000 to 6,000 people strong. So that's quite a big margin for error, isn't it? 1,000 to 6,000. But we know it was thousands. We, know it was a, we would know it was a lot of people. So verse 9 said there were many. Um, they said themselves, we are many. And Jesus sent the demons into the pigs. And then the pigs all drowned. Verse 13 tells us there was around 2,000 pigs. So it's a fair assumption to say this guy was possessed by 2,000 demons. Pretty far gone in my book, would you not say? Like, that's a, that's, that's a bloke beyond help. Yeah? If we're looking at it ourselves. He wandered the, the tombs on his own because people had given up on him. They couldn't subdue him anymore. They chained him down and he broke the chains. Pretty strong, pretty strong dude. And um, he was just left because people had given up on him. He was, a, he was a lost cause. But, and this is why I've picked out this message. We, we're talking about Jesus um, and God being able to restore us. The reason I've picked out this, this passage, I could have picked out any. could have picked out Jesus healing a blind man, um, Jesus healing Lazarus, you know, bringing dead guy back from the, the dead to life. It's pretty, pretty restoring, I'd say. But what, the reason I picked this out is verse 15. It says, when the people came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. In his right mind. And there's so much these days about mental health kicking about and anxiety and depression. And um, we see that Jesus completely restored this guy's mind. He was in his right mind after an encounter with Jesus. And... Um, like I said, many people struggle with mental health. I don't know if it's because it's more talked about, there's more education, or maybe people are misinformed as to whether they're just upset or whether they're depressed. I don't, I don't know. But there's a lot of it going around, and here we see Jesus completely restore a man to his right mind. And I believe, um, quite a bold statement, but I believe the devil is using this against us in this day and age where he's bringing people down mentally. And uh, I believe in a God that can restore that. Anyone else with me? So not only can God rescue our souls, restore our hearts, but he'll heal our minds as well. And um, God, is, God is a God of complete restoration. As we've said, he takes that extra step. He doesn't do things by halves. So uh, I'm coming into, coming into land if the band want to come back up. So we'll go back to Colossians 1.22. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And we put value on stuff, don't we, by how many faults or how little faults things have. Like if you were to go on eBay, um, oh, which reminds me. <laughs> if you were to go on eBay, you'd see two things. If one's got faults, it'll have less value. It'll be up for less money. If, if one is in pristine condition, it'll have more money. But it doesn't work like that with God. He saw us broken, messed up, in our sinful nature, 
crying out for a saviour. And in his eyes, we're valuable. So valuable. He, he did all of this stuff that we've talked about. He chose to, to come to earth to, to find us. And once he found us, he didn't think, nah, look at the state of these. Have you ever been to like a hotel where you get there and you just, we've done it once, didn't we? We went to a bed and breakfast somewhere. We got there, it was a mess. We thought, nah, like we, we just left. Or do we stay a night? I don't know. We didn't stay for the full duration because it was a mess. Jesus didn't come to earth and think, give it a night. He saw it out. He saw his mission. He sees us valuable. Not only does he forgive us, he then says, you're going to live with me now because I love you. To quote the Goonies. What a film. But <laughs> my sister, my sister got that one there straight away. Bless her. She tried her best to keep it in. But he sees us, he forgives us, and he says, you're mine now. And he calls us his own. And we can come to the Jaffa Cake cupboard whenever we want. And I think that's incredible. Not only does he reconcile us, but once he sees us, sat there with him, he says, let's see about fixing you up. Let's, let's bring you back to, to your full condition. And once... Once he does that, we stand before him without a single fault. Without a single fault. You ask my wife, I've got tons of faults. A lot of them. Not as many as she has, but I've got a lot. <laughs> that, was, that was one of them. So you go, one step too far each time. But not only does God forgive us, but he brings us into his, his presence. And he, he wants to restore us. And once we start to view ourselves in the, in the way God does... We can see the value of ourselves like God does. That's not being arrogant. We can see that we're righteous and we can boldly come into his presence and say, Do you know what? I'm chosen, I'm called, I'm forgiven. I stand before him without fault, without problem, in pristine condition. And it's all because of Jesus. All because of that grace that we sang about. All because of the cross that we, we reflected on when we took communion. And I encourage you to think of others the same. You know, that we don't look down on people, that we, we help them on their journey to realize their value, to realize that our brothers and sisters in Christ, in God, as the, the verse says, we stand before him without a single fault. And to encourage each other that when we're beating ourselves up, you know, do you know what God thinks of you? Do you know how he sees you? Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know the, the lengths that he went to to find you and to, to forgive you and bring him back to himself? To encourage each other. So I'll read that verse again because, because I love it. Colossians 1.22 And now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. And when I read that, I, I stuck it on social media because I thought someone needs to hear this. Like, I, I'm not normally one that's like, oh, look, I'm reading the Bible. This is the verse I'm reading. But I thought someone needs to see this. Someone needs to, to hear this. And it's just not left my mind since I read it. So I'm going to, going to pray, then we're going to hand back over to Mike and Steve, and you know they'll lead us how they, they see fit with a rousing chorus of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 
But Father God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks truth and it speaks life. Father God, and if we apply that, that word to our lives, we are faultless, we are blameless. And it's all because of the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. And Jesus, we say we love you. We don't say that enough these days. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you that you came into to this, this world in physical form. A song I've been listening to says, Holiness with Human Hands. And we thank you that you didn't just come, you didn't just find us, but you chose to forgive us. And once you forgave us, you, you brought us to yourself. And in that, we can be restored. And we, we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're the God of the extra step, of the extra mile. As Adrian said before, you don't leave us high and dry, never halfway. And we just thank you for that, Jesus. So as we come to, to worship you, as we come to respond to your word, I pray that we'd have open hearts and, and open ears, open mouths to sing, to sing praises to you, to give thanks. We can never do you enough justice with our songs. We can never thank you enough, but I pray that we'll try. So God, thank you for your word. I pray that it will take root in our hearts and take root in our lives and that we'd encourage one another, that we'd encourage the people around us. In your name we pray. Amen. That's great, Jordan. As we stand together, if we can, you can be seated if you prefer, but if we can stand, that'd be great. We're going to worship, continue to worship together. It says in the message on the, the, the verse that Jordan read, it speaks there, it says that, um, but now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives back together, whole and holy in his presence. Reconcile means to be brought back onto God's side and our lives be put back together. Better. Amazing. That's the step beyond. And maybe some of us are worried or anxious. Um, you know, maybe we, maybe we, we suffer with, um, you know, things like depression or anxiety or panic attacks. Um, I don't know where we're at right now. But uh, as, as Jordan said, the, the man found himself, he was in right mind. God restored him better, goes a step beyond. And wherever we're at and wherever we are right now, as we open up our hearts to him, just, just lay hold of that word that Jordan has shared so brilliantly. Let's open up our hearts to him and say, come, Holy Spirit, come, Lord Jesus, that I might know a, a, a renewed mind, a renewed heart, and a renewed spirit. Give a life, you are love. 